the messages of studying righteousness, righteousness imputed, righteousness imputed. And I started to discuss last time that he had imputed his righteousness unto us. And I wanted to talk majorly on an imputation of righteousness unto us because in, in Isaiah the 45th chapter, the 8th verse, it says, Drop down ye heavens from above, let the skies pour down righteousness. Let the earth open up and let them bring forth salvation. And let righteousness spring up together. I, the Lord, have created it. Verse 12 says, I have made the earth and created man upon it. I, even my hand, even I have given my, and stretched my hand out to heavens, and all that I have, all their hosts have I commanded. I have raised him up in righteousness, and I will direct all his ways. He shall build my cities, and he shall let go my captives. Not for price, nor reward, saith the Lord of hosts. So we're saying here that Cyrus here was a type of Christ. And just as Cyrus was a type of Christ doing these things for the Lord, if we created in his image, in his likeness, he imputes his righteousness unto us, and we can do some of the same things as they did. It says, what I say to one, I say to all. So whoever by faith, and we notice that those that are faith are the children of Abraham. The 19th verse says, I have not spoken in secret in a dark place of the earth. I said not unto the seed of Jacob, seek me me in vain. I, the Lord, speak righteousness. I declare that all, that I declare things that are all right. So we here see here, and I said that he had imputed his righteousness unto us. And it is predicted. God's righteousness is predicted throughout the Old Testament. We see in Isaiah 56 and 1 it says, Be just and fair to all. Uh, the Lord God says, Do what is right. And good, for I am coming soon to rescue you. That's in the living. The Amplified Version says, This is what the Lord says. Maintain justice and do righteousness, for my salvation is soon to come, and my righteousness and justice is soon to be revealed. That righteousness and justice should be revealed in us. If we had apprehended this by having faith in the works of Jesus Christ and that he had justified us and put us in right standing with God and our sins were forgiven and we're being created after the second Adam, after Jesus Christ, a spiritual man. Not after the first Adam because the first Adam was in disobedient whereas to we're obedient to the word of God. Ezekiel says in Ezekiel 16 and 4, your reputation was great among the nations for your beauty. It was perfected because all the gifts I gave you, of all the gifts I gave you, says the Lord. But you thought you could get along without me. You trusted in your beauty instead. And you gave yourself as a prostitute to every man who came along. Your beauty was his for the asking. Here is someone that took the gifts of God a lot of analogies says he's talking about Satan or the children of Israel 
but whoever have any righteousness, that righteousness is of God. It's not of self. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. But we take what God had given us and we profane it. In other words, sometimes the blessings and the things that God given us is not to be given to others in a measure which God's word forbid. He says, give not that which is holy unto the dogs. So we should follow after God in his spirit to realize that which God had given to us to cause us to be fruitful in that which we walk in. Notice during the parable of the sword and they couldn't understand it. He told Peter it's not for them to understand. He started talking to the people in dark parables and dark dark sayings because anyone rejecting the word of God, we're not to continually cast and seed before them. The gospel is limited in its preaching and teaching before sums and some that hidden of the inner meaning of it, the revelation of God that's in Christ Jesus, that revelation of the revealed knowledge, that becomes hidden manner, a surface deep only to some. That's why the book of Hebrews says, laying aside the doctrines of baptism and laying on of hands, let us go on to the perfecting of the saints because a lot of other religions that don't go deep into the word of God or don't declare the whole word of God is because they're self-generating and self-motivating and self-centered. That's why a lot of the churches talk about the blessings of God. A lot of churches talk about all of the blessings, but they don't never discuss the cursings of what happens in disobedience. They preach prosperity and healing and a lot of things, but it's not a whole lot of repentance and dying to self and the things of suffering. So it's revealed in the gospel. Righteousness is revealed in the gospel. According to the book of Romans, first chapter in the 17 verse, it says, For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. The righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel, both springing from faith and leading to faith. It comes from faith, but it also leads to faith. God brings us to repentance. He brings us to faith, but it's by the preaching of the Word of God, hearing the Word of God preaching. It's disclosed in a way that awakens more faith. It brings faith to faith, and that's why I say we grow in the Lord. We pass Acts 2.38. We pass some of the surface scriptures. We go deep into the Word of God to the meat of the Word, and Paul was pretty upset with the Corinthians. He was saying that they wasn't ready for the meat of the word that he had fed them with milk. They only could take the milk of the word. In Hebrews it says you're not ready for strong meat. As it is written, he says, and forever remains written, the just and the upright shall live by faith. That's the way we should be living. That's the way to live. The living version says, This good news tells us that God makes us ready for heaven. He makes us right in God's sight. When we put our faith and trust in Christ to save us, this is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scripture says, the man who finds life will find it through 
trusting God or having faith in God, living by faith. The righteousness of God is by faith. This is how Abraham obtained this. Uh, Paul, the living by the King James Bible says, "For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation." to everyone that believe it, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. For it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now what does it say? For it is the power of God unto salvation. Now why it says unto salvation? Because there's a common salvation, but there's a salvation unto life. So, the revealing of the things in the book of Romans is enough to learn you about God, but it's not alert enough. It's not for salvation. The grace of God had appeared to all men. But we have to pursue holiness. We have to seek after God. Just knowing of God don't get you there. You have to become a disciple of Jesus Christ. The Jews pursued after this through knowledge. They pursued after righteousness trying to get it through the law. But none of it was awarded that way. We have righteousness apart from the law because we have the righteousness of Jesus Christ imputed unto us. So it's not by work or anything. It is of God. It is of the Lord. And the reason we say it is of the Lord we see when he starts to pour down his righteousness, the righteousness of God in Isaiah here when he talks about it throughout the Old Testament, we see that this comes, this is Jesus Christ, the Lord, our righteousness. He is our righteousness. That's how we obtain the righteousness. Isaiah 54 and 17 says, No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise up against thee in judgment Thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. The justice that's reigning in the earth is because as what they do to you, they've done it to him. We're the peoples of his eyes. So those that turn against you and are working against you, it's not you that they're working against. It's Christ if we're doing the will of God, if we're walking in His righteousness, if we're suffering for His namesake. Not if we're building our own name, not if we're being led by self, but if we're being led by the Spirit of God, that's when He says, No weapon formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment shall be cut off. Because why? His justice is coming throughout the earth because His righteousness is being poured out. The righteousness of God is justice. It's the, that's the establishment of the, establishing being of the kingdom. And that's why we pray thy kingdom come because every transgression is going to receive is just recompense of reward. That's why we walk uprightly in Christ Jesus and we start putting him on. We're clothed in his righteousness. Uh, but in that coming day, no weapon turned against you shall succeed, and you will have justice against every courtroom line. This is the heritage of the servant of the Lord. 
that gives a little bit more broader perspective. The living Bible says because we're living in this end time in a time of injustice. Injustice is is prevailing. We see injustices throughout the land and government and high places the spiritual darkness that we are wrestling against. I was telling you about that by Alexander Vickman and when the power of the government came up against him when he accused the president of lying or what the president had did. We see they tried to annihilate him or whatever but personally he took it as a true child of God. A lot of time it's going to be a sacrificial effort that we're doing but we prosper in the Lord, and sometimes those sacrifices, it's going to cost us our job. It's going to cost us our livelihood. It may cost our family. It may cost relationships with everybody else or whatever. This is something that we have to learn of, the righteousness, the righteousness of Jesus Christ. It is described as the righteousness of faith, the righteousness of faith. Now, this is God pouring out this righteousness. Now, as God pours something out, and I tell you a lot of times, to be able to assimilate it, to be able to use it and put it to use, we have to dig up our fallow ground. In other words, with prayer and studying of the Word of God and time spent with God is how we absorb this. Romans, the fourth chapter and 13 verse says, For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law but through the righteousness of faith. This was weak through the law. It was through the righteousness of faith. This was imputed to him because he trusted or he believed God. So the righteousness is of faith. It's by faith. It comes through faith. Romans 9 and 30 goes on and say, and Isaiah says in another place, what shall we say then that the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness, who did not seek salvation and a right relationship with God, nevertheless obtain righteousness. This is something, they didn't even have the oracles of God. It was the Jews that had the oracles of God. Uh, I'm reading two different versions here. I'm reading the Amplified along with the King James. Uh, Let me just read one portion and i come back to the other one. And it says, Isaiah says in another place that except for God's mercy, all the Jews would be destroyed, all of them, just as everyone in the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah perished. It says, well then, what shall we say about these things? just this, that God has given the Gentiles opportunity to be acquitted by faith, even though they had not really seeking God or sought after God. So, he cut them off. The natural branches, he, they didn't obtain it. They didn't obtain righteousness by faith. He cut them off so that he could graft us in. By faith, the Gentiles, it says, here what I started to read. They didn't seek a right right relationship with God, but you remember he poured down righteousness. As he's pouring down righteousness in this fallow ground of soil is right 
uh, is ready to receive that which is poured down. If the ground's dug up, the fallow ground is dug up to where it don't run off in the trenches and the, God, the ground is not hard. And the reason Pharaoh couldn't receive what God was telling or doing is because he kept hardening his heart. But we see people like Cornelius in the New Testament. Wasn't Cornelius already doing reputable deeds? The people said about Cornelius that he's a good man. He'd give alms to the church and he'd help and he'd do all these other things. So he wasn't seeking to be right by God. God sought Cornelius out. Remember he sent Peter by his house. The, the Roman centurion. You remember the people had a good testimony of him that he did good for the people and he was a good man and He's the one that told Jesus, well, you need not come unto my house because I'm familiar with authority. I tell one to go and he goes. I tell one to do this and he goes. He said, just speak the word and my daughter will be healed. Yes. Jesus made the statement, I have not seen such greater faith in all of Israel. See, so it's in faith in what Jesus Christ can do. It is in faith that he can do all. The belief and trust is in Jesus Christ. He hadn't. He didn't say what all he had been doing for the people. But notice as Dorcas, the one that made blankets and tended to the people that was dying, and the people told all what Dorcas had did. These are the people that their ground is already prepared because they're practicing or they're doing kingdom things because Notice some made into the kingdom and Jesus says, come on into the kingdom that's been prepared from, from the foundations of the world. And they said, he says, for you fed me and I was hungry and you clothed me and naked and you did all these things. He said, when did we do these things for you? When did we help you? We don't remember doing. He says, what you've done for the least of these, you've done it also to me. So it's in practice. In other words, it's doing good works. Not to be rewarded. They wasn't looking to be rewarded for this or whatever. But this is a practice of this what they was doing. That's why Micah, he tells us, you know what it is that you should be doing, what the Lord requires of you. To live just. To do justice. In other words, to love to do what is right in justice within the earth. To live humbly with the Lord your God. To be merciful, you know what the Lord requires. So why, why aren't you doing those things? So when you do things, that you're ready for that to be poured out upon you. It's not that you were doing it, but we know God is a rewarder of those that seek after Him. But good works doesn't achieve this. If it was good works, it would be the people that was depending on the good works to get them in heaven and not believing on Jesus Christ, notice that the people that he forbade interest to the kingdom, it was people that came up to him and said, didn't we feed the needy in your name? Didn't we cast out devils in your name? Didn't we heal the sick? He says, depart from me, he who work iniquity. I never knew you. He didn't say that they didn't do these works, but the motivation was different. They didn't seek a relationship with him. 
They didn't seek fellowship with him. They didn't know him. They knew of him. There's a lot of preachers preaching about Christ. They're preaching Christ, but it's not a many of people that actually know Christ. And that's why it says, take my yoke upon you and learn of you. If you would continue in his word, see, and through prayer and supplications and through humbling yourself, how you get to know Jesus Christ. Because you can't go in the kingdom if you have all that baggage, in other words, self-righteousness. You hadn't pulled off none of what you were. You thought you were good. But everything that you have has to die. You have to pull off the old man and put on Christ. It says, Who did not seek salvation in a right relationship with God, nevertheless they obtained righteousness, that is, the righteousness is which is produced by faith. Whereas Israel, though always pursuing the law of righteousness, did not succeed in fulfilling the law. What shall we say then, that the Gentiles which followed not after righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith? That righteousness is of faith because it's the righteousness of Jesus Christ. How is that? Because he imputed it unto them. He put it to their account. He says, since you have faith in me, not, not in everything else, but your faith is in me, I'm going to impute my righteousness in you because everything that was fulfilled in the law, I fulfill it. Your faith is in the fact that I fulfill it all, that I did it all, and that I died for you. Now that I'm a just man, that I can impute my righteousness unto you. Your sins are forgiven. You're justified. Put in right standing with God and will give you my righteousness. That's when we start pursuing holiness. You see, we have to pursue holiness. It didn't say pursue righteousness. It says pursuit of holiness. Romans 10, 6, it says, But righteousness based on faith, which produces a right relationship with him, says the following, Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is, to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead, as if we had to be saved by our own efforts doing the impossible. But what does it say? The word is near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word, the message, or the basis, that which we preach of faith, which we preach. We're preaching the words of faith, what is able to accomplish and bring this righteousness, to bring this salvation. It's the receiving of the preaching. Yes. And hearing comes, faith comes about by hearing the word of God. You can't hear unless a preacher is preaching that word. And faith cometh by hearing. So that's what we're saying. By the gospel, and the gospel is the power of God under salvation. By being led by the Spirit of God, it gives you to, the ability to become sons of God by what? Taking heed to the word of God. Christ said, then are you my disciples if you continue in my word. So it's all in the word of God. It's obedience to that word. Adam was out of it when he disobeyed God. When he rejected what God says when he rebelled, ate of the fruit of the tree of, of the knowledge of evil. It says, the word is near you. It's in your mouth. 
It's the faith we preach. Because if you acknowledge and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, recognizing his power, his authority, and, and majesty as God, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. That takes the Jehovah's Witnesses out. If they're not looking at Jesus Christ as God, if their belief and trust is not, he says, I'm the way, I'm the only way. I'm the truth and the light. Without him as a savior, kingdom purposes, you just want to stop preaching and teaching that because that's what he did. He came preaching the kingdom of God. The righteousness of God is without the law. The righteousness of God without the law. It's not that you not that you don't walk. Through faith, we have established the law. Christ wasn't a law break. He said, not a jot or tiller disappear from the law to all comes. Romans 3.21 But the righteousness of God is by faith in Christ. The righteousness of God is by faith in Christ. Romans 3.22 says, The righteousness of God comes through faith in Christ for all those who believe. That's Jew or Gentile. It says, for all. What does all mean? All means all. For all who believe and trust in him and acknowledge him as God's son, there's no distinction between Jew and Gentile. So it's those that have the faith of Abraham. So there's no Jew or Gentile. And when you hear people talk about Israel and the Jews, that they have this advantage. No. We're all on even ground at the cross because that's what the cross did. It's to whosoever will. You remember Cyrus says to go back and build the temple, whosoever will, whosoever will, whosoever believe in Jesus Christ. Now God says he will accept and acquit us, that is, declare us not guilty if we trust Jesus Christ to take away our sin. What that does for Jehovah's Witness or any Buddha or any other religion or practice in faith that doesn't have Jesus Christ as the perpetuation the one that atoned for their sin that doesn't have Christ because it's all focused upon Christ he says that's how guilt is removed you have to be able to do something with your guilt because there's no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus so the killing of bulls and goats or whatever that couldn't remove the guilt of sin it might have atoned or covered up for what was done but it doesn't remove the guilt. Whereas Christ comes and he removed the guilt, he says, your sins be forgiven. They say, no, who can forgive sin except God? That was Jesus Christ saying, your sins be forgiven. He said, what is it easy to say? Your sins be forgiven or rise up and walk. See, because it is our sins and transgressions that put us away from God that cause us to be exiled away from God Caused us to be scattered. He says, Your sin and iniquity has separated you from God. That's what separated Adam from God. God can't go in darkness, and darkness is, and evil and sin, it can't dwell in the presence of God. That's why the tree of, of evil, he says, Now he can't eat of this tree and live forever in this condition. He gave us a chance to be put back in right standing in the purity of life. Paul said, I want to present you a chaste virgin. 
In other words, with no guilt complexes. In other words, you're not carrying around all of these blemishes and spots because the Word sanctifies you. The Word removes every spot in blemishes. It cleanses you and washes you white as though your sins never occurred. God can't see them because He's looking at the blood of Jesus Christ. And the blood atones for it covers all sin. Christ being made righteousness to us. Christ being made righteousness to us. 1 Corinthians, the first chapter in the 30th verse. Uh, Living Bible says, For it is God, it is from God alone that you have your life through Christ Jesus. He showed us God's plan of salvation. He was the one who made us acceptable to God. He made us pure and holy and gave himself to purchase our salvation. But the Amplified Version reads, God has selected for his purpose the insignificant base things of the world and the things that are despised and treated with contempt, even the things that are nothing, so that he might reduce to nothing the things that are so that no one may be able to boast in the presence of God. Remember I told you, we have to see our insignificance. We have to see our nothingness. We have to see it was just God's choice, that it was nothing we had. We can't bring or we can't boast of anything of ours. It's all of God. It says, so that he might, but it is from him that you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, he was the one that had the wisdom from from God that revealed to us the plan of salvation and righteousness, in other words, making us acceptable to God. Put us in right standing with God, that's the justification, but making us acceptable to God and sanctification. That is, you remember I said the word sanctifies us. That's what sets us apart. He says, if you would be come out from among them and be separated, I'll be a father unto you, and you'll be my sons and daughters. Sanctification, that is, making us holy and setting us apart. And redemption, providing our ransom from the penalty of sin. So he was our redemption. He, he redeemed us. He bought us back. He put us in right stand. It is his blood that sanctifies us, that cleanses us, and washes us. So everything is in Christ. We all in Christ. We are made the righteousness of God in Christ. And He's the righteousness to us. We have that's why we have to be in Him. We have to dwell in Him. We can't be out of Him. Abiding in Him. Our being made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Our our being made the righteousness of God in Christ. 2 Corinthians, the 5th chapter says, For he had made him to be sin for us, Christ Jesus, the perfect and upright man that can bear that, that he was made to be for us, each and every individual. He took this on for each and every individual. Not, but he knew no sin. He had no sin, so he can take our sin. You have to have a sinless sacrifice, something sinless to take this. So he says that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He did that. 
so that we would be made the righteousness of God. Now, the Amplified Version puts this word judicial in there. And you remember I told you the word judicially is a courthouse meaning. It's a court word. In other words, this is the judgment because with this judgment, we want to say, see the imputation of this sentence carried out. And we see that he says, He made Christ who knew no sin to be judicially be sin on our behalf. In other words, this was spoken, this was the record. Now the sentence was is adjudicated later on. The sentence is carried out. When you find somebody guilty or not guilty or whatever, that's the judicial re, re, judicial ruling. But later on, the adjudication of the sentence that goes on with that. Sometimes the judge may take a week or two to carry out that sentence. He might say, "Okay, well, I'm going to sentence you next week or something." Yeah. Over that time, he could sentence them to life, or he could think about the sentence or whatever, and sometimes the person says they're throwing themselves upon the mercy of the court. But what happened was, he was made judicially. In other words, God being the judge and God being sovereign, God acknowledged, okay, he died for that one. He's in that one's place. This is the official word of God. The courts have accepted this. He's, he's accepted this. The courts have accepted him as this substitution. So if God's who accepted, who is it to stand against the will of God? Who can stand against what God had said? If God be for you, if God pass a judgment, who could overrule God's judgment? God carries out this sentence and he rains down righteousness upon those in which he had judicially declared in Christ. That's what I say. We have to be judicially declared those that have faith in Him. Christ is the end of the law for those who believe. Christ is the end of the law. In other words, it's all fulfilled in Christ. Romans 10.4 says, For Christ is the end of the law for of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. The Amplified says, For Christ is the end of the law. In other words, it leads to him and it's it's his purpose is fulfilled in him. That law is for the fulfillment of the law. That's why he says, I've done it all. I've finished it. It's complete. We're complete in Christ. He has accomplished everything. So anybody tell you there's something else we must do no, it's nothing else we can do. He did it all. Yeah. He's the end of the law. The handwriting of ordinances that was against us. That's why I say, well, you don't, people say, well, you got to be baptized, or you got to do this, you got to do this. You don't have to do anything but believe upon Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's the end of the law. Any hand ordinances or rituals that you're talking about, now you're becoming a legalist and you better watch yourself there. He is righteousness apart from the law. It wasn't by the law. The law was weak through the flesh. So we had him come along and impute his righteousness to us because this is something we couldn't do. That's why Peter said, why do you want to lay this up on the Gentiles and we couldn't do it ourselves? It says, for Christ is the end of the law. It leads to him and his purpose is fulfilling him for granting righteousness to everyone who believes in him in understanding. 
the living version says they don't they don't understand that Christ gives to those who trust in him everything that they are trying to get by keeping the law. Well, you can't do anything keeping the law that Christ doesn't give to you. If he gave his son, wouldn't he give us all? Yes. So he's the key to it all. Once you have him, as the song used to say, Tremaine Harvey, whoever sung it, once I got Jesus, I don't need nothing else. I forgot who sung that or whatever. But Christ called the Lord our righteousness. You remember, and it's throughout the Bible where it has written on his thighs, it's written on his breastplate, the Lord our righteousness. The Lord our righteousness. And that's why I say in talking about imputed righteousness, I got a long ways to go. I pull these from Torah's topical Bible, but the righteousness we couldn't attain in our righteousness it has just been imputed unto us. It's graciously given unto us. Jeremiah 23 and 6 says, Behold, listen closely, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he will reign as king and act wisely, and will do those things that accomplish justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell safely. Now, this is his name by which he will be called. The Lord, our righteousness. The Lord, our righteousness. He's talking about Jesus Christ, that branch of David. But shouldn't we, as little Christ, he was a light under the world and he was taken away. Should we be the lights of the world then? We should do as he done. We will walk as he wants. So if he fulfilled justice and righteousness in the land, shouldn't we? That's why I said Cyrus would say he raised him up in righteousness. Can't we be saved in that same righteousness if we believe that he's raining down or pouring down that righteousness and that we can be filled through faith, the righteousness of God that comes through faith? That's how you're receiving this righteousness is by faith. It's yours for the growing. Yes. As much as you can receive this, and, and, and God is an infinite God to me. So we're growing in righteousness and we're able to keep growing immeasurably. Yes. Christ brings in an everlasting righteousness. Now this is just not a temporary righteousness. A lot of people say, well, we don't know that Cyrus was saved that he went back to doing what he was doing or whatever. But we see that any righteousness from God is an everlasting righteousness. This is what Daniel says in Daniel, the 29th chapter, in the 24th verse, it says, The Lord commanded 490 years of further punishment upon Jerusalem and your people. Then at last they will learn to stay away from sin and their guilt will be cleansed. Then the kingdom of everlasting righteousness will begin. That's God's kingdom. And you remember in Daniel they talked about the rock that that came down and smote the image and this rock was carved out without hands. The kingdom of God started back when Christ came. This was planted in the earth. He was that foundation his kingdom has been growing since then, and we're part of the kingdom. And I necessarily believe, just as he stood before his disciples and said, the kingdom of God is among you. Yeah. 
I still believe that kingdom of God is among us. Some translations and different a different gospel says the kingdom of God is within you. I believe both of those things. It's among us and it's within us. I think that's one of the reasons I pray each morning that kingdom come. I'm looking for his kingdom to come and be established up on this earth and I want to be living when that happens. I don't want to be the one of the dead that rise in Christ. I want to be the ones that's actually living to see this kingdom established. That's the faith that I have in that. I believe it's the soon coming kingdom. It was reason Paul and the rest of the apostles realized that they wasn't going to be alive to see this manifest, but it shall be a generation that this is manifest too. And looking at the world scene today, reading and studying the scriptures seems as though that's right upon us. It's just as Daniel read and studied the word, the book of Jeremiah says, you know, this is that 70 years that's coming to an end. You know, I think we're near toward the end to where this kingdom is going to manifest itself right here to the children of God. Uh, to the king, the amplified version, that y'all, uh, the reason I'm reading from these two other versions, we all have the King James Version. Some people don't have these other two versions of the Bible. Uh, the, the Amplified reads, 70 weeks of years of 490 years have been decreed for your people and for your holy city of Jerusalem to finish the transgression, to make a, an end of sins, to make atonement, that is, reconciliation for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness, that is, right standing with God, to seal up the vision and prophecy and prophets and to anoint the most holy place. That's why I think that we're in the last bastions of what society can produce and I see with the vileness and the injustice that's happened in this nation that I think we're on the precipice here. I truly hope I'm alive to see this this go come in. It is a free gift the righteousness, I tell you, these things come from God as gifted. That's why if he's pouring it down, isn't it given? We, we're not asking. But if we ask in those that, that's a whole other teaching because he's pouring this out, but the Beatitudes talks about those that are hungering and thirsting for righteousness. And I think I'm one of those that's hungering and thirsting for righteousness. If you hungering and thirsting for righteousness, you praying about that. That's why I say I pray that thy kingdom come. As, as praying for the nation and praying for God's kingdom to come, I think that's commanding or bringing in the justice of God. And that's where prayer comes in when he says that we are part of this because if we are asking, we part of what's establishing this. There's a lot of people not up in God or hasn't prayed up or hadn't been in God or not looking into the deep things of God to start asking, asking and praying for these things. They're more or less rather asked to win the lottery or some miracle instead of asking for the establishment of these things that God's word says that he will bring about. See, we're, if we're praying according to his will, he says, for just as true one man's disobedience, in other words, his failure to hear, his carelessness in what he was doing, 
the many were made sinners, so through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous and acceptable to God and brought into right standing with Him. But the law came to increase and expand the awareness of the trespass by defining and unmasking sin. But where sin increased, God's remarkable grace, His gift of grace, that is, that unmerited favor of God, has surpassed and increased all the more. God's righteousness is never abolished. So as sin is increased, we see people, the elections and things last night, a lot of them was predicating it up on crime and having the people fearing inflation and all that. It didn't go the way everybody thought it was. We think we can predict and see these ways, but that's God's righteousness working in the earth. It's not going to happen the way you think it is. The Word has predicted the way this is going to happen. So there's woe to the wicked. It's woe to the wicked. Isaiah, the fifth chapter, I think I went back there last week and talked on that. It says, Woe, judgment is coming to those who judge, uh, those who join house to house and join field to field. In, in other words, increase their holding by depriving others. There's so much oppression in this nation and in this world. And I see it through depriving others of that which, as humanity, we should be doling out as justice and mercy. That which we owe in justice and mercy, and we withhold humanitarian aid, we withhold right doing. Remember, the righteousness of God is right doing. So those that are not doing right, the justice of God is judging them. Remember, the day of the Lord is a wicked day in which those that are punished are getting what's coming to them. So we're praying, Lord, when will you remove the evil and the wicked people, the one that's oppressing them, the one that's suppressing your people? Aren't we praying for that to happen? Because you wouldn't be among those that's also praying in the psalm that he comforts and says, okay, fret not thyself because of evildoers will they soon be cut off. We have to answer that prayer. And answering that prayer, it goes all the way to the end of Revelation where he says, he that is unjust, let him remain unjust. He that is unrighteous, let him remain unrighteous. He that is righteous, let him remain righteous. So those that maintain what God's telling them to maintain, there's a judgment day coming. And if he remove all of that shaft, if he remove everything, if he laid a tree, the axe to the root of the tree, only the trees of righteousness shall be remain left standing. Every tree that's not bringing forth good fruit will be hewn down at the root of that tree. Until there is no more room for others so that you so that you have to live alone in the midst of the land. In my ears, the Lord of hosts said, Be assured that many houses will become desolate, and every great and beautiful ones, even great and beautiful ones, will be unoccupied. For ten acres of vineyard will yield only one bath of wine, and a homer six bushels of grain. It will only produce one effort. Whoa, judgment is coming to those who rise early in the morning to pursue intoxicating drink, 
who stay up late at night and, and, and get inflamed with wine. All of those that enjoy judgment and recreation they're talking about, all of this tailgating and enjoying the pleasures of life, well, that wealth and riches come from oppressing other people of not doing what is required of you because one of the reasons God blesses us and gives us wealth is so we'll be able to do good for those that don't have it to do. But the richer this nation gets, the more we want to cut off insurance coverage for all. The more we not want to feed different people that should be fed. Well, let it get it itself or whatever. Okay, I don't think it's for us to have that attitude or disposition. God a judge, all I do is cast out the food. In preaching, the preacher can't determine who to be saved. You preaching the gospel and God is saved who he will. You can't determine. You have to be impartial in doing that. You have to preach the word in season and out of season. So you have to love your enemies. You have to love everybody. That's what Jesus told us because if we're going around here having picks and choosers who we love, suppose we're loving the wrong ones. We've cast our seed upon the wrong one. James says to the rich man, you say sit here. But to the poor man, you say, hey, you sit over there in the corner and we don't get in the way. That, that very person that you rejected, those very parents you think are crazy or, or embiotic and thinking those other people's parents are someone else or that preacher that's driving the limousines and the yachts and having the airplanes and jets and all of these things, that same thing that you gave your wealth to he says, Ephraim is joined the idols, let him alone. You go back and ask those for money or ask those for salvation. See, because when they realize this is happening, they will cast their riches in the streets because they realize that money can't save them. You'll have a great transfer of the wealth. So all of that you invested in, these were false prophets. This was no sure base to be in. Your plea needs to go to God. So he's talking about rejecting his vineyard. I told you all about that last week, that he was going to remove the hedge from around his vineyard. And in Revelation, he tells us about him judging the church. That he's going to fight against the church because there are more people in there. The church has apostatized. Satan ministers has been changed into ministers of the ministers of Satan has been transformed into ministers of light. In other words, the church has apostatized, and we've seen that this last election, and we see what the evangelical church is doing, and we've seen Christian nationalism is on the rise. These promises are made through this. Romans 4 and 13, and we have about the saints of God but I think I may let you go a little bit early tonight uh, I still have a long way to go on righteousness here let me read this last one Romans 4 and 5 it says but to him that worketh not but believe it on him that justifieth the ungodly, 
His faith is counted for righteousness. But to the one who does not work, that is, the one who does not try to earn his salvation by doing good, but believes and completely trusts in him, who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited to him as righteousness and places him in right standing with God. In other words, this person sees that it's nothing I can do or attain. I have to trust in Jesus Christ to be my righteousness. The one that walks about by faith. See, and by faith, that's how you accomplish the works you're doing because you're led by the Spirit of God. So you're not keeping tabs on what you're doing or whatever. Uh, what is it yielding to you? That's why he says, don't grow weary of well-doing because some people say, well, I've been doing good all my life and this hadn't come to me or that. Now you're turning away from your righteousness, right? And he tells us in Ezekiel, to the man have done that has done righteousness, but if and he turns away from his righteousness and starts to do unrighteousness, none of the righteousness in which he done will be remembered. So we can't grow weary of well-doing. It's like the old people used to be saying, payday is coming after a while. They know God is a reward of those that seek him, but they know they may not get paid in this life. Abraham didn't see the end of these promises. There's a lot of people that didn't see the end of these promises that God has promised. But they know that it shall happen because God's word said it, it hap- will happen. And we know that God does keep his promises. So some of the things that we don't get in this life we'll have in the next life. That's why we have the great white throne judgment in which he, you're going to be recorded, rewarded according to the deeds done in the body. God is it's not going to be in anyone's debt. He repays everybody according to their works. If it's unrighteousness, he's going to pay you back with unrighteousness. What a man sows, that he shall reap. Whatever a man sows, that he shall reap. Romans 4.11 says, Abraham, he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of confirmation of the righteousness of which he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. He received this seal of circumcision, which was the confirmation of righteousness, while he was uncircumcised. This was so that he would be the spiritual father of all those who believe without being circumcised. That's the Gentiles, because circumcision profits you nothing. It's the circumcision of the heart. So, He's the father of those. Abraham was the father of those because, like I said, people don't realize this righteousness was imputed to Abraham before he was circumcised. So this righteousness was imputed to him that he would be the father of all those that believe without being circumcised so that righteousness would be credited to them. It wasn't until later on, after God had promised to bless him because of his faith, that he was circumcised. The circumcision ceremony was a sign that Abraham had already had faith and that God had already accepted him and declared him as as good in his sight. Remember I said judicially something is declared. So judicially he had accepted Abraham or whatever 
but the sign, the circumcision, was the adjudication of that. That was the sentence being carried out. This was a sign that he was righteous in the sight of God. Now, that's not so in the New Testament. The circumcision is an inward circumcision because it's spiritual circumcision. It's not about being a Jew or Gentile. It's the circumcision in the heart. That's why it's no male or female because it's not about circumcision. So in India, well, uh, wherever these places where they mutilating the young girls and everything or whatever. That's barbaric. That doesn't accomplish anything and they're talking about the different thing. I don't want to go into that while preaching or teaching. But all of these these ideals and things man has, God's word has nothing about that. When he brought Abraham the circus to sacrifice Isaac God wasn't about to allow human sacrifice. He says God will provide himself a sacrifice. Already got the ram, the lamb. So no one can say that you sacrifice a human being for God's sake. This was just a type and a shadow that there was one man that did die. That sacrifice was his own son. Heavenly Fathers, we come before you this day, Lord God.